Before we start today's show, I want to let you know about our friends over at the FFPC. The FFPC are long-term partners here with Rotoviz Radio, and of course, the season is not over, and they want you to know that. They do have the longest-running and most unique playoff contest in fantasy football. That is the FFPC Playoff Challenge. It's $200 to enter, and this year's grand prize is up to a giant half a million dollars, with over $1.1 million in that total prize pool. With no salary cap and no draft to worry about, simply choose 10 players to make up your team's roster but there is one catch you're only allowed to use one player from each nfl team that means if you choose tom brady as your quarterback you may have no other patriots on your roster this will be your roster for the duration of the entire playoffs including the super bowl there will not be any changes substitutions free agent pickups once your rosters are locked as nfl teams get knocked out so will your players so choose that team wisely the contest will sell out as it does every year registrations will close on nfl wildcard saturday january 4th at 4 30 p.m eastern don't wait go to myffpc.com and get your team now that's myffpc.com Mahomes has the time delivers perfectly downfield touchdown Patrick Mahomes with a rope this one this time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC and Untuck It. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me as always on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined once again by Mr. Sean Siegel, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, as we get ready here to head into 2020. Sean, the last official show here for us in uh, 2019 and of course the the 2019 regular season finished up over the last uh, 24 hours we are recording this one on monday the 30th of december so lots to uh, unpack as we look back at the entire season look back at week 17 and of course as we like to do look ahead to next season and project some of these players forward so sean it was uh, an interesting weekend uh, we've seen a lot of shuffles in terms of the playoff seeds that we may not have been expecting in terms of the the patriots slipping up to the dolphins and then of course the kansas city chiefs which i know you're very happy about jumping into that second seed the packers nearly done the exact opposite nearly nearly uh, shot themselves in the foot against the lions and which was I, I tweeted this out after it was probably the toughest game to watch as a packers fan since they lost to the seahawks in the nfc championship game where they uh, blew that fourth quarter lead and lost it in overtime after the onside <laughs> kick debacle um, and things like that so this one was uh, my heart rate was at a, a really unsafe level from the majority of the game um, but Sean uh, a fun week I guess when we look back on it and of course uh, I know when the Kansas City Chiefs uh, had that result with their way from New England yesterday it was uh, something that you really enjoyed definitely the yesterday was extremely exciting getting the Chiefs into that second seed and getting the bye i think makes them the favorite we know that they defeated both the ravens and the patriots this season so certainly wouldn't have been impossible for them to come back through but getting that extra week off getting your players healthy andy reed has been fantastic when he has a little bit extra time to game plan probably you know if not the best one of the top two or three game plan coaches in the nfl and with the chiefs defense starting to really come alive now they're looking like a complete team so certainly the ravens the chiefs i think the new orleans saints and then the san francisco 49ers are those teams you're really looking at uh the green bay packers as you mentioned looking a little bit like the patriots in terms of a team that certainly not a bad team a balanced team good quarterback play but not destroying opponents at this point the little bit of questionable games for both of those teams thankfully your packers survived 
Yeah, and it's one of those situations you just have to get in there and uh, have the opportunity. But, you know, I've been hoping for a couple of weeks that maybe the, the Packers offense would really start to click into gear. And Aaron Jones is playing extremely well, but the actual entire rest of the offense isn't playing uh, that well. There's there's certain moments in games where they're playing well, but outside of that, there's a lot of missed uh, kind of opportunities. And I don't think I've ever seen as many plays uh, from Rodgers to his wide receivers that were either uh, kind of one to two feet away, which would have been big plays on many occasions. Uh, but there was just so many plays that they were just off by a yard or two and obviously it's a game of inches but um you know you'd like to see that be a little bit more consistent but you you had on it there sean that week off is what has been key that's what i've been hoping the packers get for many many weeks uh, is to get into that second seed you know I, I didn't really think the fourth seed was all that realistic but to get that opportunity then to have the rest and th- there's no doubt that playing three consecutive games trying to win your conference championship is much more difficult than playing two of those and uh, I think that's a, a big big edge uh, to both the Chiefs getting that spot and of course the Packers managing to maintain that and if you look at a team like the 49ers how that game came down to the very end of, and it could have flipped massively and we see a situation now where the Seahawks have to play this week versus the 49ers gaining home field advantage throughout the playoffs and also getting the week off so lots of things changing uh, but a really fun week and of course with that there was a lot of fun action that took place some big big performances guys like Derek Henry ripping it up again and uh, ended up being the Russian yards leader from the running back position uh, then to finish the season and obviously needed a couple of yards I think he needed 12 yards and ended up uh, had almost 56 yards maybe on two touchdown runs after those two uh, plays so a very very fun thing we'll look through it now in just a little moment but as always I want to let the listeners know that you can get a Rotoviz subscription discount for 10% off as a loyal podcast listener that is available through the podcast homepage that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast all the tools are up there there's so much stuff to gain that insight to gain that access and to make yourself a better and smarter fantasy football player so don't miss out sign up now it's heading into the new year for 2020 if you're not already signed up make sure you're ready for the 2020 season with a rotoviz nfl pass once again rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for that 10 percent discount so Sean you know I mentioned it there at the start of the show the FFPC with the playoff contest coming up and it's always uh, an interesting one about picking your lineups and how you're going to decide to to make those players fit with one player in uh, each position and, and not wanting to uh, put in players who may not make it all the way to the the, the end game and, and put up that, that major points total for you at the end of it but it's always a, a difficult strategy and there's many ways to attack it but what's your logic behind it are you trying to kind of reverse engineer it from uh, the Super Bowl all the way back through to the wildcard weekend or how are you trying to strategize when it comes to setting the lineup for a contest like uh, the FFPC playoff contest yeah, so I think there are two main things that we're looking at here. Number one, like you mentioned, we're looking for teams that we think can make it all the way. Certainly that double score for the Super Bowl uh, could certainly come into play in terms of who wins the contest. And when you look at the biggest scorers, you might want the double points from that position. This year, it's fairly straightforward, I think, in that you have the two big-time quarterbacks from the two best teams in Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So starting from that position isn't necessarily that difficult a choice. The other thing to look at is simply which teams have players who could put up big scores. So you're looking for teams that are going to advance, but you also if you're going to take some risks and try to create some diversification, then you'll be looking to do that from players 
who have a lot of upside. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Patriots, who are only uh, mild favorites in that game against the Titans, you might stay away from them or use them in that defensive spot instead of taking one of their offensive players simply because they don't have clear-cut superstars on offense right now who would put up those big points. So even if you think the Patriots are a little bit more likely to win than the Titans, you might move in the direction of a Derrick Henry or an A.J. Brown simply because those guys have that big-time upside to where if they do win, they can score you some serious points. Yeah, I think that's a smart call when you're looking at the the Patriots. You know, somebody who we know who has consistently had a relationship in terms of putting up points and specifically in PPR formats is Julian Edelman. And obviously, with the situation over the last couple of weeks, he you can clearly tell when he's walking around that he's not a hundred percent healthy when he's out there. And I think more so than anyone on that Patriots roster edelman was hoping to have a bye week to try and heal things up so he, he is somebody you'd be kind of targeting if you weren't going for the patriots defense maybe james white who has put up some scores over the last couple of weeks and we do tend to see when we get into the playoffs that you know if it is a situation where they need to, to move the ball they are the two guys that they tend to go to i really don't think outside of those two and the defense unless you're being adventurous and putting tom brady in there that you can really go with any other options some of the the interesting things sean when i look across there's there's three examples of teams that you've put down here and and each of those three teams you have gone the option with the patriots as the defense but the other one that i'm interested in um, and you've gone with aaron jones as a running back in all three lineups two of those lineups uh, also have alvin kamara as the uh, other running back in that situation so when you look at those two teams you know i mentioned earlier some of the struggles rogers is having um and um the situation here is that you have jones and adams um as possible green bay players and the other ones when we look through it then for the saints you're obviously looking um at you know kamara breeze you could even go with cook at tight end uh, and of course michael thomas so there's there's quite a few options there for the saints but wh- when you look at uh kamara and you look at jones do you think they are uh, kind of clearly the, the best options at running back when you're looking at this uh, one player from the team format i think aaron jones gives you a lot of upside he's the green bay packers uh, star who is playing the best as you mentioned in the first quarter and i think that in a contest like this a much shorter contest you're less concerned about injuries you're less concerned about floor and consistency and you're much more focused on touchdowns and so we think about the huge touchdown numbers that henry put up yesterday camara has had a couple of uh, multi-score games back to back after struggling to get in the end zone this season and so especially in the FFPC format where you can go to four running backs and you look at the types of players specifically on these playoff teams, I think going with the two running backs, obviously in those positions, but then uh, doubling up with two running backs in the flex position tends to create some interesting lineups. And so if you're going to move Derrick Henry, if you're going to go with Devin Singletary, then you can create some lineups there that have running backs in the flex one thing i think you can do for some diversification is to go with dalvin cook now he may still be highly owned but in terms of maybe some of the other best lineups with the injury situation that he has i think the choice between Diggs or dalvin cook with the vikings is one of the more interesting ones the other thing that you have to decide here are which teams you're going to completely leave out and with the health situation for the seahawks and the eagles that might be 
a game that you are less interested except for the fact that one of those teams is going to advance and so you're probably going to pick your kicker or your defense off of one of those teams simply to get the points from having that second weekend score so that's something else that you would look at in terms of the roster construction there yeah and you, you also mentioned the flex positions and you've kind of doubled down as you mentioned there singletary across the board there as well and somebody who i've always been a big fan of but it'll be interesting to see when it comes to uh the playoffs how how it works out for him the other one is obviously derrick henry and i would have some possible worries about the situation where obviously they wanted to get him the russian record uh, and he had some phenomenal uh plays you know to, to finish that game out even though there was some of those texans uh, defensive players who were in there may not be uh, first string players but in terms of giving him i think you had 32 carries this week you're heading and then to the playoffs i think they probably could, uh, you know, reduce the actual workload that they give him, especially after he got that uh, lead in the, the Russian record. But there's a couple of other teams that are, are very interesting, Sean, when you look down through them. Um, is there any other players that stood out to you as, you know, real key pieces that you would be very strongly recommending to people playing in this style of format? I think A.J. Brown also is very interesting. He had another big game, not to the level of Henry, but if you were going to move away from Henry and say, okay, the Titans are probably going to win this game, or they're probably the team with the most interesting players in this game, even if they lose, then we would look for them going further. The question that you have when you deploy those guys is that they have the more exciting players, and yet at the same time, they're in a situation where the Patriots, the defense is still elite, right? So they struggled a little bit against the Dolphins yesterday, but we might expect them to shut down the running game. They've been very good with that. If you pull up the NFL Stat Explorer, you can look back through some of their matchups and see what they've been doing there. Also, Brown has that very difficult matchup against Gilmore. And so both of those players have some red flags. If you're going to play multiple lineups in this contest, you might look to switch things up in terms of your two plays there the sort of contrarian lineup that i've put together here that i think is kind of interesting if we move off of kittle for the 49ers certainly we think the 49ers will have an excellent chance to move deep into this contest george kittle is their clear-cut superstar in tight end a high scoring potential position in this format so i think that he's the obvious choice there but if you were to move off of him and if you were to move off of lamar jackson to where you had patrick mahomes as the quarterback say he's going to win that game they're going to make the super bowl the chiefs are going to be a little bit more explosive again here in the postseason as their pieces start to come together then mark andrews i think would be an interesting tight end play there we've certainly seen that he has a much lower floor has a lot uh more games where he doesn't show up than Kittle and a lot of that is volume related since the Ravens simply don't throw that much but he has that two to three touchdown upside at the tight end position certainly could have you know a two or three game stretch where he really torches secondaries and so that might be a direction to go and then most are someone who has been scoring a ton for the 49ers they run the ball very effectively with him and probably a player who will not be extremely highly owned both because of the Kittle situation and because uh, these playoff teams have a lot of big name running backs who can fill both the running back and the flex so if you were going to diversify a little bit or go with a contrarian lineup those are some interesting guys and an interesting particular construction that I think you could use yeah and it's going to be interesting because you're going to see a lot of lineups Sean no doubt that kind of closely resemble each other so maybe going that contrarian route is the the way to look at it you know a lot of teams are going to be based around uh, the Chiefs and um, 
the the Ravens, you know, in terms of Mahomes and Jackson. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, setting up a lineup based on some different quarterback options because then that can free up some of those different positions to make you quite different. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise with 10 roster spots uh, with people going for a similar build um, that we could see a number of teams have very similar lineups uh, across the board. But it's, it's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, you mentioned AJ Brown. Uh, seen a little uh, stat coming up uh, on Twitter earlier today about AJ Brown. It was uh, before this season, no player since 1992. That's when the NFL started tracking targets. Had ever finished the season with a thousand plus receiving yards on fewer than 95 targets. There was three players that did it this year. So we had Mike Williams on 90 and Stefan Diggs on 94 targets. AJ Brown done it in 84 targets. Uh, to get over a thousand yards and obviously doing that in his rookie season you mentioned not having quite the games uh maybe that we've seen over the last couple of weeks but he has averaged over 100 uh yards and a touchdown over the last six games so he has just looked phenomenal uh looks doesn't look like a rookie in any sort of way uh, and just continues to impress me each week and had that amazing catch down at the one yard line which obviously led then to a touchdown for Derrick Henry but you know another yard the opposite way and we are talking about uh, another touchdown added in there so uh, AJ Brown has been for me one of the most impressive players this season as we as we've moved through it Sean um, but it's going to be interesting to see obviously I mentioned at the start of the show the FFPC and that uh, you know the, the playoff competition each and every year it is a, a lot of fun so uh, the, that there will be wrapping up this Saturday for contests at 4 30 eastern so don't wait head on over sign up myffpc.com to get your team and uh, to get in on the action it's going to be a, a lot of fun to follow that along over the next couple of weeks so before we move into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at Untuck It. Ever see an untucked button-down shirt? They generally look a little bit uh, bad, and there's one reason why. It's because they're not meant to be worn that way. And I've mentioned this on shows before. The reason that I like Untuck It so much is uh, having a longer back, being a taller guy. Uh, one area that I find is the sleeves and the length of shirts can be an issue, so I tend to wear those untucked. Thankfully for me, there is Untuck It, the original board button-down shirt designed to be worn untucked no matter your size shape uh, untucked shirts always fall at that perfect untucked length with more than 50 plus combinations in terms of fits untucked shirts look great on tall short slim and athletic guys of all ages you can find your favorite untucked style online or check it out in one of their 80 brick and mortar stores choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-down super soft flannels outerwear and more with untucked your shirts will never look baggy bulgy too long or too big again and their website is so easy to use they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit so now's the time to get set up with those perfect clothing shirts. Don't waste any time. Head on over to untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com. The code, once again, is BLUE for 20% off. Once more, untuckit.com. So Sean, in the third quarter, we're going to look a little bit about the Wrong Read 59. We do like to plug the Wrong Read and Blair's phenomenal work um, that comes up. And, you know, there, there's no doubt. You, you've said it yourself. The series is one of the best series in, in the entire fantasy football industry. But we're looking at how does efficiency impact wide receiver production in the following year? Um, you know, some, some of these pieces that Blair has done just are, are so informative and help you pick up key edges as you, you head into uh, any, any draft, really, or any uh, situation where you're trying to you kind of project forward for players efficiency in the next season but looking at it sean is there any any things in particular that are standing out for you as we look through some of the the players here 
So with the season wrapping up yesterday, I wanted to go through and look at some players, get some early 2020 breakout wide receivers out there. And one of the first things to look at, one of sort of the cheats or hacks that Blair has found, is simply looking at efficiency at the wide receiver position. Now, over the last couple of weeks in his expected points report, he's looked at how expected points, the consistency of that week-to-week fantasy points over expectation and the consistency of that week-to-week, and certainly find that volume is more consistent than efficiency on a week-to-week basis. And you find that that is true as well when you're looking season to season but one of the interesting things that pops up is that when you do look at efficiency and its relationship to play the following season you start to see some real trends arise and that is a an exploitable area in this day and age of fantasy football where everyone's talking volume 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 so one of the things that blair has looked at and we've talked about a lot in the past when we pick our wide receiver breakouts is the players who were efficient in their first year tend to break out at a much higher rate score more points in their second seasons this is actually also true just across the board when we're looking at potential breakouts for year two year three etc players who are plus efficiency right so score more than zero fantasy points over expectation in one season when you look at their production for the following year they outscore the negative fpoe performers by almost 50 points they have 40 more expected points and they also average positive numbers and fantasy points over expectation again the following year where those who score in the negative average negative fantasy points over expectation the following year so we see some exploitable opportunities here and so one of the things i wanted to look at now that the season is done are who are the best guys for 2020 if we just take a quick look right at what we might see for the following season based on what just transpired and so we have 15 guys here who were in their first three seasons who had double digits in fantasy points over expectation and go through and look a little bit at who some of those guys are what the prices might be who you might want to target and we start out the list with the number one guy being McCullough Hardman who had the long touchdown return yesterday that really changed that Chiefs game and put them in a position to take advantage of the Patriots loss. He had 48.7 fantasy points over expectation on only 41 targets. So you talk about AJ Brown a minute ago. He's not on this list because he already went over 200 fantasy points, broke out as a rookie. Hardman, a guy who was incredibly efficient on a low number of targets and certainly would expect to see him take a big jump in terms of usage next season after Hardman who would you say is your favorite guy on this list and before we move away from him would you agree with my conclusion here in the article that he should be one of the three guys you make the most effort to acquire over this upcoming summer I think that's that's a fair statement to make, and I think you know looking looking at his uh, game logs, you know, over the last couple of weeks, there there hasn't been enough usage for him. I think it's possibly something we'll even see sprinkled in a little bit more here when we get to the playoffs. Obviously, um, we've seen his pace, you know, in terms of his speed, um, we've seen that again this past week with the the return. But I think that they just need to get him involved more. You know, they also have Sammy Watkins there, who's 
obviously we know his injury history but he's just not been used enough um it'll be interesting to see if there's either of those guys involved a little bit more uh when we get into the the deeper stages here off the playoffs looking through them player i like i've mentioned many many times sean terry mclaurin um you know the one thing i'm concerned about is how the quarterback situation shakes out there obviously there's going to be a lot of changes likely happening in washington over the next couple of weeks so we'll see what happens there um you know one one player that's in here that i didn't really think was going to have the impact he had when he came into the league and there was obviously a lot of concern with that the way he fell in the draft and that was dk metcalf but i think him paired with russell wilson gives him uh, a huge uh, opportunity as he develops his career as well so metcalf somebody who who interests me out of this list as well um there's a there's somebody who i still obviously have a lot of hope for and that's sandy isabella this has kind of been almost like a, a a lost season for him but it's mentioned in the article you know that he has kind of the possibility to maybe be like a the dj shark of 2020 so um he's somebody i still have have faith in moving forward but i out of the list the guys that i'd be kind of looking highest on are in our orders you had them there mccall hardman but out of terry mcclurin uh then dk metcalf and then uh andy isabella is that kind of dart throw and i think he's gonna be the sort of player who probably is gonna be pretty easy to get him into the majority of your teams based on where he's likely to be drafted so they, they're players who interest me. Do, do any of those guys uh, pique your interest more so than the others? Certainly, yeah. but in addition, we have Darius Slayton with 32.9 fantasy points over expectation. We have Marquise Brown, 29.6. Debo Samuel, another big game yesterday at 25.6. That trio is intriguing. Slayton in a situation where he's sort of the, the dark horse guy here, and even with how good a season he has had, we don't tend to hear a ton about him. However, his situation there with the Giants, a lot of things in flux. At the same time, they don't have the types of players around him who are going to definitely sort of push him to the side, right? You have Sterling Shepard, a solid above average type of player has had some serious injury problems, you know, not a true number one. You have Evan Ingram also an elite tight end, I think, but someone whose injury problems are so severe that we don't know what we're going to get from him. Both of those two guys too, very sadly have had some serious concussion problems to where, you know, this team needs a guy like Slayton. And so certainly his opportunity going forward might be greater than what people are looking at. The other player there, Debo Samuel, has been absolutely fantastic. And the 49ers have not passed the ball particularly well this season. Garoppolo has not been exactly the guy they were hoping to get. But Samuel, he's a little bit of a manufactured touches kind of player, but we've seen him emerge and go beyond that in the second half of the season. And then once he has the ball in his hands, there aren't that many wide receivers who are comparable. He is so good in the run after the catch, making people miss, extending those plays, and turning you know what could be a short game into a long game. When you have someone who is going to have that touch floor, someone they're definitely trying to get involved, and they also have that explosiveness, I think his opportunity going forward is, is pretty significant. Yeah, and I think he's better than this next player who has the same second name as him, but he sometimes reminds me a little bit of the way they try and use him, like Curtis Samuel, and I think he's a, obviously he's a bigger uh, wide receiver in terms of body, but I, I think that they're used in terms of, you mentioned manufacturing touches, there's like Debo Samuel's getting a couple of rush attempts every game, those sort of things can obviously add value to it, but I would like to see him you know, get more consistently used in the passing game, I think there's a lot of potential there, 
Uh, and I think we've seen enough in year one to see uh, a kind of jump in year two. But I've mentioned it a couple of a different times, Sean, when we've talked on this show. And uh, I recorded yesterday with uh, Pat Fitzmaurice on the, the Fitz and Fantasy podcast. And I talked about the wide receiver classes over the last two seasons. Um, I think we're like, you know, we, we have had those long term studs in terms of like Julio Jones and, and the rest of that class. And they're, they're obviously starting to get a little bit older, but they're still extremely good players. But I think we're, we're pretty safe here. And, you know, in terms of fantasy football wide receivers that we want to target for the next kind of three to five years, there's a, a lot of talented players that have come into the NFL in the last two seasons. Do you think this is possibly, I would say, outside of that 2014? class which obviously proved to be quite exceptional um this last two years of wide receivers classes are kind of they're over delivering in terms of what we probably expected from them they definitely have and it's been exciting to see all the depth in both of the last two classes we have so many different players emerging different kinds of skill sets a lot of big guys with speed so we really have the true alpha receivers coming back but then We've got the underneath threats. Hunter Renfro is on the list here. You've got multifaceted players like Debo Samuel. You've got the two true speed threats like Marquise Brown. And so uh, I think the the variety in players and then certainly the quality of players that we've seen come into the league at the wide receiver position in the last two years certainly sets us up for a next wave of great wide receiver performances but also really bolsters the passing games for so many of these teams it's been a rough year in some ways with all of the quarterback injuries that has made it more difficult for teams to move the ball through the air we've seen a rash of phantom offensive pass interference penalties which certainly can be frustrating when they wipe out those big plays but the position as a whole has a very very bright future with the guys who have come in over the last two seasons So Sean, jumping into the fourth quarter now, we're going to look a little bit about the, the piece you put out towards the end of last week in terms of baseball win rates. And I think it's an appropriate piece to look at because it kind of sums up quite a bit of how people's fantasy football seasons would have went regardless of what format they played in. Um, and we're going to look through some of the players and talk about them now. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, we probably don't need to talk all that much about him. Uh, we've talked a huge amount about him over the season, but uh, ended up yesterday um getting to the thousand thousand club for the receiving and rushing yards uh, they really did feed him the ball because that game was done and dusted a long 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 time before uh, the clock hit all those zeros but um obviously christian mccaffrey is listed here as your mvp i don't really think there's there's anybody who could have came close to that um just a phenomenal phenomenal season um an all-time great season at the it doesn't matter i was about to say the running back position doesn't really matter what position one of the the all-time great fantasy football seasons it is you look he finished with a 36.7 percent win rate in best ball tens which is insane right more than a third of the teams that rostered him won uh won their league and that you mentioned the thousand thousand club only been done a couple of their times you know david johnson has been trying to do that certainly doesn't look like he'll get the opportunity anymore at this point it's such a, a rare <laughs> thing it's such a a valuable thing especially in the modern nfl it's a little bit strange in its own way when you consider just how dynamic uh those marshall falk teams were certainly how dynamic those priest holmes teams were that we went away from that a little bit kind of in that gap between when Holmes finished and where we are now with uh, these new guys arising and, and certainly with Christian McCaffrey, but it also emphasizes that doing 
that kind of work, that kind of performance, having that hybrid ability isn't something that just everyone can do. And certainly the Panthers didn't have the downfield passing attack. They didn't have the quarterback play. And so targets were funneled to him. At the same time, you know, it, it's just a true joy to watch the Panthers because of McCaffrey, his route running, his separation ability. You watch the games and as an owner, and I was lucky enough to have him in quite a few leagues and almost all of my dynasty leagues. And every week you're thinking, well, he's the only guy that they have. He's the best uh, offensive player in the NFL. The opposing defense is going to try and shut him down because that would (laughs) completely stifle the offense. I mean, certainly DJ Moore had a big season he's an exciting part of their future but if you could stop christian mccaffrey you would hold the panthers to basically nothing and you watch the teams go out and try and do that and when he runs those routes out of the backfield when he makes his cut he suffers he separates by yards right he makes his cut and suddenly there's no one even in the vicinity so it doesn't matter necessarily how many people they're dedicating to him there are only a handful if that of wide receivers in the nfl who can run routes with that kind of sharpness who can separate with that much ease and so to be able to do that and still be the best running back i believe uh, just as a pure runner you know we talk a lot on the show about how yards before contact are actually more important and more predictive than yards after contact in terms of the quality of a running back and you watch him in terms of cutting ability in terms of vision what he does is very similar to what Jamal Charles did. And Jamal Charles, likely the best pure running back, you know, with the possible exception of Barry Sanders and then maybe a few of the legends going back before him. But when you're looking at that group, I mean, you're looking at Barry Sanders, you're looking at Jamal Charles, and now looking at Christian McCaffrey, and then adding one of the best wide receivers in the NFL on top of that. It, it's just remarkable. There's, there's no way to talk about it enough because he simply has had the type of season that we don't ever see he's the kind of player that we don't ever see so it's been a joy to watch him this season and even with a few of the other things that have happened this year with the quarterback injuries with that kind of thing that have made it a little bit more frustrating McCaffrey's presence in this year has made everything worth it yeah and you you mentioned it there in terms of uh you know I said about all-time greats you mentioned some of the other players that are in that class and if you look at you know from 2000 to 2019 uh through week one through 16 on the road of a screener for kind of all-time great seasons um there is 10 players on the list and you mentioned jamal charge he's there we have todd Gurley's 2017 season david johnson in 2016 which you mentioned uh, we also have marshall falk in there twice we have priest holmes in there twice um and then we have Ladamian thompson at the very top of that list but when you look through it like you know christian mccaffrey's in there twice he's uh, in spot nine and spot uh spot nine and spot two and we're looking at a situation we kind of talked about it earlier in the season was he the greatest fantasy running back of all time and if we see another season that gets him into this top 10 list we're starting to you know it's it's a serious conversation then uh to look at it that way and you know i i seen i went to one of the games in london this year it was uh the the panthers versus the buccaneers and uh mccaffrey didn't have one of his most explosive days that day but he's had two touchdowns and you know it's just it was pretty cool the main reason i decided to go and fly over and back in the same day was to to get to see christian mccaffrey playing so um that was a a hell of a lot of fun and just a, a fun season to watch him playing and the other than the workload that he's had and if he does get banged up from that um it's pretty much uh, hopefully we'll see it for another couple of years but like you you kind of hinted with david johnson there sometimes it can it can fall off pretty quick so let's hope that uh, christian mccaffrey can keep it going for a couple more years here somebody else sean who we're going to talk about here and it's the 
the breakout star and maybe looking back now to the start of the season it's easy to say that this was the way it was going to go but uh chris godwin uh you know was rising in adp all off season and eventually him and mike evans were kind of right beside each other in terms of adp pretty much exactly where they should have been when we've seen how both players finished the season out but chris godwin made a major leap here uh, this season and of course the quarterback he has isn't afraid to throw interceptions he i, I mentioned a minute ago the thousand thousand club well he he's the first member of the 30 30 club for the the 30 touchdowns 30 interceptions and he certainly wasn't afraid to keep throwing it through that pick six uh, to finish the game against the falcon so chris godwin uh, a major major jump uh, in, in terms of what we would expect from him i have to say i think mike evans uh produced as good as as any wide receiver this year in terms of on a regular basis but uh, godwin led to a 25 percent win rate um across best ball teams um, i think we have to expect that it's gonna be a situation where um they're likely to franchise tag winston possibly heading into this season i think we're we're looking to see more of the same from from godwin and evans heading into 2020 i, I can't see a huge amount changing there if winston's still the quarterback uh, do you agree sean Godwin had that 25% win rate uh, coming out of week six, week six, and even with a little bit slower finish, he had that one massive week in week 12 with 37 points that got him back above 20%. Faded down to the 16.2 at the end, obviously, with the injury that kept him out of week 16, but that still allowed him to just clip Michael Thomas uh, in terms of win rate, which truly amazing when you consider the historic season that Michael Thomas had godwin here uh, just a, a very fascinating player this a crazy team like you said we see what brashad perryman was able to do over the last month when he had some opportunity with there with mike evans gone certainly a good fit with his speed with what they want to do so much of this i think does come down to the quarterback play and when you watch uh, what winston does and the fact that it doesn't necessarily lead to wins but it leads to massive fantasy performances certainly ryan fitzpatrick having a similar effect in miami on Devonte parker these quarterbacks who are willing to throw the ball are just fantasy godsends so uh, hopefully we can get more nfl teams to take a little bit more of that bombs away attack next year <laughs> and, and, you, and you mentioned evans right and the splits between evans and godwin were really interesting during that time period there where they were both healthy evans had a single additional target but he had 530 more air yards which you might expect to translate into more total yards and a bigger fantasy performance but it doesn't always work out that way godwin caught 19 more passes for 176 more yards had more than a yard per target advantage right he was over 11 uh, evans just down below 10 some of that catch rate but godwin also very dynamic after the catch average six point yards 6.7 yards after the catch per reception in the first 16 weeks that was the fifth best number in the entire nfl so when you have that profile you're good deep you're good in the intermediate you pull up his past location in the nfl stat explorer and you can see that he absolutely dominated over the middle also big numbers to the left and the right very difficult to take a player like that out of the game because they're simply good at everything and that's one of the reasons why uh regardless of quarterback but certainly if winston is the quarterback again there we would expect him to have another very big season in 2020 
Yeah, and I think you mentioned that like you kind of hinted it, but Mike Evans. I've always said that there's not many yards after the catch with Mike Evans. It's kind of you know he ha- he has 530 more air yards, but that probably means that like if he catches every single one of those yards, he's going to have 530 yards. Uh, tends to not be a huge amount after the catch, but uh, the, they there is a differentiation between those two receivers. But I think it does matter. Uh, like if we did see a situation where Winston was to not be in Tampa Bay, I think it would shake things up dramatically in terms of uh production and like if you, if you see the the touchdown this past uh in week 17 to perryman at the back of the end zone like there's not many quarterbacks who are going to take that chance and throw that pass but he gives the wide receivers the opportunity to make those plays and also takes the risks but that leads to fantasy points for both of those wide receivers so going to be an interesting uh, situation but i would imagine it'll be all three of them back down uh, in tampa bay you mentioned who was the 2019 uh, george kettle said it was a tie between mark andrews and darren waller both of these guys took a, a nice step forward uh, this particular season and um you know overall two two very very positive uh, improvements at the wide receiver or the tight end position because i think it is a position where we do have those top guys but we, it'd be nice to have a little bit of depth and behind them of course when we look at the, the zero rb candidate sean i don't think there's anyone else that it could have been other than uh, our guy Austin Eckler, um, Eckler just with a, a phenomenal season was going even better up until uh, the holdout finished up with Melvin Gordon. But um, you know, looking into twenty twenty, the future's very bright here for Eckler. The interesting thing to note will be if Philip Rivers is in town. Um, you know, when it comes to next season, um, how that affects it. But uh, I think Eckler is kind of one of those players who can probably play with most quarterbacks the way that he's particularly used. You know out of the backfield um have you any concerns if you know there is a quarterback change there or do you still think it's gonna be a similar situation for Eckler in 2020 we saw what happened when the Colts lost Andrew Luck and had to move on to Brissett how that affected Hines and his receiving opportunities there with Indianapolis so it certainly matters the Chargers threw the most the highest percentage of their passes to the running backs of any team and certainly they had the personnel for that with melvin gordon being an underrated receiver or simply a good receiver and austin eckler being a fantastic receiver so when you have that one-two punch you definitely want to get those guys the ball there's also the case that those guys are good running backs who struggled in many cases uh, purely from a running perspective because the offense on the offensive line did not create a lot of holes for them so if you want to get them involved it makes sense to get them the ball in space with the changes we could see with the chargers uh it could be a very different offense next season anytime you have change when there's someone who's performing the way eckler is performing it can almost only be a bad thing at the same time i think that people don't necessarily give him enough credit for how good he is we talk in the article about how his uh profile his fantasy profile in terms of touches is almost identical to alvin Kamara. the other thing here i think that's worth noting is that while he's smaller than Kamara, he's also much more athletic right and that's despite the fact that Kamara, obviously a great athlete good explosiveness but with Kamara, you're looking at a 4 440 guy with a 40 inch vertical a 685 three cone nothing he can't do from an athletic perspective uh the change of the direction the one step explosion you know getting back to full speed he's a guy who would be awesome in most schemes and anytime that you're going to be with a quarterback who will get you the ball who will dump the ball off to you you know you can score if the chargers were more prolific offensively if they brought in a quarterback who was willing to snap the ball before there was one second left you know on the clock if you ran more total plays (laughs) then there would be more opportunity there it's kind of interesting because people talk about how 
his numbers did fall off after Melvin Gordon came back. But when you're averaging 27.3 points per game and you have a star come back to share time with you, they're going to fall off. The fact that they fell off through this best ball time period, so not including this last week, they fell off to 16.9 points per game. That's astonishing, right? He was able to maintain all of that value. I think he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. I don't think he's someone who should be looked at as a committee guy or a backup guy or a receiving back, right? I mean, I think that was the mistake that people made with McCaffrey after his rookie season. And so if you were willing to pay up, you could pry him away from owners who saw him more as a Tarek Cohen kind of player. Obviously, McCaffrey did not turn out to be that. I don't think Eckler is that either. It will be important for owners to follow the news, though, with the Chargers, because there are some ways this offense could be shaken up that would not work to his benefit. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of things. Obviously, if we see a quarterback shift, if we see a situation, let's see what happens with Melvin Garden again this offseason. So there's a lot of things could happen. Uh, definitely stay tuned for all those. But the excitement will be there for uh, Eckler next season. I don't know if he'll be possible. He might be outside of the zero RB candidate range uh, in terms of ADP, but uh, I'm sure he'll be in a lot of our rosters next year again. Uh, the sleeper candidate, and we've touched on him in a number of shows, that was DJ Chark, um, who came from nowhere really um, at the start of the season. Um, I was as heavily supportive of DD Westbrook as anybody, um, and obviously DJ Chark um, was the player who had the the bigger role in the offense um, as as we went through the season. So a big big year from him, uh, second year breakout. Excited to see where it goes for him uh, next season in twenty twenty. But when we look then, uh, I guess the quarterback, the the transcendent quarterback, you've called him here. It could be no no other than Lamar Jackson, who is expected to be the MVP of the league. Uh, it would be quite special if we do get to see Lamar versus Mahomes in that uh, AFC Championship game. Uh, it would be, be quite special back-to-back uh, MVP winners and both winning it in their second season uh, as as starters. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But nobody really could come close to Lamar Jackson in this uh, this season. I don't think, Sean. No, certainly not. And when you look at where he finished over a 20% win rate, you mentioned those two breakout tight ends, each finishing with over a 17% win rate. Those are very difficult win rates to put up at those positions. We don't see it that often at tight end. We don't see it that often at quarterback. To think that we could have someone else break out to the level really that Patrick Mahomes broke out last year uh, to see that in consecutive seasons extremely exciting what those guys did and, and certainly very deserving of the awards certainly their owners deserving of winning those leagues as a result and like you said I, I think everybody is really hoping to see that Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes uh, AFC championship game so Sean as we get into overtime I guess we'll we'll jump straight to it we're going to talk about who our Super Bowl picks or predictions might be as we get ready for the playoffs uh, this coming weekend uh, you've touched on it I've touched on it I would be really uh, happy to see that be the uh, AFC championship game and then I would really not mind all that much which of those made it to the Super Bowl uh, if I could pick one of them I would pick the Chiefs based on I just love seeing the ball uh, being thrown as much as possible and uh, with Patrick Mahomes with Kelsey with Hill with somebody like McCall Hardman there's just so much exciting plays there and Damian Williams has uh, you know started to, to shine over the last couple of weeks as well so the Chiefs I think uh, would be my my call to come out of the uh, AFC and you know if I'm looking at it from the NFC my heart's always going to go with the, the Packers the way they've been playing it's probably not that realistic but let's see how things shake out over the coming weeks but I, I think if I had to pick one team to, to actually go and win it all that wasn't the Packers in the the NFC it would be the Saints I think it'll be pretty cool to see Drew Brees get back there again but 
uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen and it's it's Aaron Rodgers that's down in Miami for the Super Bowl but uh, ideally a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl uh, would be my call if it wasn't that I would like to see you know either the Chiefs or the Ravens face off against the New Orleans Saints um, what would your call be would it be something similar to that or is there any different teams maybe in the NFC you'd like to see make it to the, the Super Bowl I was going to pick Chiefs Saints as well but since you've gone that direction I'll move back to the 49ers a Super Bowl featuring those two coaches would have uh, I, I think an argument as one of the best coach Super Bowls or one of the most interesting Super Bowls purely from a scheme and then in-game play calling situation both of those head coaches offensive geniuses who yeah, even sometimes with overmatched personnel create so many opportunities for their players get their guys in space have a lot of misdirection have a lot of variety in the play calls and so to see each of those coaches with two weeks to prepare going at each other we might get to see one of those massively explosive super bowls a little bit unlike uh what last year's super bowl unfortunately evolved <laughs> into uh, that game with the chiefs and the ravens should be one of the most fun that we've seen in a long time if in fact it does come down to those two teams the afc has some interesting dark horse teams at this point certainly it wouldn't be uh, any sort of gigantic su- surprise if the sleepers came through we did get to see the Chiefs and Ravens play early in the season. Chiefs jumped on them with 23 points in the second quarter and were able to hold on there. It's interesting, that game was played at Arrowhead, but the rematch obviously was played at Baltimore. The Chiefs actually struggled more at home this season. They're a little bit of a, a midseason swoon when they were dealing with all of those injuries simultaneously uh, happened at home the chiefs tend to to never lose at home except for in the playoffs uh, when you go back uh, to the, the marty schottenheimer era and up through dick Vermeil and all of those fantastic teams so in some ways i think that playing on the road in that afc championship game while certainly the chiefs would prefer to be at home i don't think that works against them uh, in a way that is impossible to overcome and, and just to see those two quarterbacks in that game uh, hopefully we'll all get to have that opportunity yeah and let's have a bit of fun here this wasn't on the show sheet but we have the wild card weekend this weekend so we're going to pick a team we think uh could go all the way from those eight teams and win it and we're going to pick another team who will will we'll rule out some teams that we think have have no shot so i think the the easiest team sean to say that has a chance to go from wild card weekend to win it all is the saints so we'll rule out the saints and we'll pick one other team each i'll let you have the floor first who, who's the most likely candidate off the teams out of those other seven that could make it all the way to uh, to the super bowl well even though the afc was down in some ways this season i think that the three non-patriots teams on that side are, are all interesting in their own ways we have buffalo with uh, josh allen at quarterback and that strong defense certainly their games i think could swing wildly one way or another depending on some big plays from the defense and if they're able to get control uh hold on to the ball a little bit the texans maybe the goofiest team in the nfl weirdly coached fantastic <laughs> talent with deshaun watson uh hopkins uh, hopefully willful will be able to play there i think one of the most fun games we could see outside of the Jackson Mahomes matchup would simply be if the Texans can get through, bring their guys healthy and have that high flying offense with Watson, uh, Hopkins and Fuller all playing there. But I think that you almost have to go with the Titans. Uh, Derek Henry now certainly looking like the Terminator that Matthew Friedman 
always build him as but you look at aj brown and he looks like andre johnson right and maybe even a version of andre johnson who scores more touchdowns maybe an andre johnson who has that randy moss ability in the red zone obviously that is pretty hyperbolic even with how well brown has played down the stretch but it would be cool for to get the ryan Tannehill redemption story to get him as this uh real resurrection where he moves from the dolphins to the titans expected to be the backup but then comes out and despite playing for a team that looked like it had a lot of holes on offense when you watch that team under Mariota, sadly they did not look explosive they did not look talented but now they are a real matchup nightmare for defenses to try and take away both of those big bodied explosive players and henry and brown so they they have that good matchup with the patriots certainly there's some upset potential there with the ravens so uh yeah let's take the the titans into the super bowl on the back of those young stars <laughs> imagine that if they get there with uh Tannehill after where they were in mid-season it's, it's quite the story and that that would certainly enhance it you mentioned uh the Texans and how the coaching situation is there uh, something that I, I would say they're possibly one of the most talented teams in the NFL uh, and then the coaching brings them back down to average I think a lot of teams are the opposite where the t- players mightn't be that talented but we're seeing them kind of overachieve based on how good a situation their coaches are putting them in and I think a prime version of that is the Philadelphia Eagles who pretty much have no offensive players uh, left that would be uh, starters um, and they still manage to win that division so there's different situations um, that can help uh, teams get that edge but um, I I would have to say I think maybe the Titans uh, the Titans are the Texans but I think I would rather see it be the Titans based on I'm not a big Bill O'Brien supporter I think if I wasn't going for the Saints and the uh, NFC I would have to go with the Seahawks we've we've seen we almost seen it again uh, on Sunday Night Football Russell Wilson seems to just have that never say die attitude and I mentioned earlier in the show that uh, I believe it was the 2014 NFC Championship game Uh, you know he just never quits and he's able to somehow kind of make those magic moments happen when the pressure's on he can push the team over the edge and uh, i think you, the seahawks would be a, a candidate outside of the um uh, the the nfc but i think the saints and seahawks would be would be interesting but the one thing i do think is no matter what way the matches shake up there's gonna be a lot of uh interest and you know strategy to look forward to it. i'm i think like in terms of the teams that have made it in there there's a really nice mix this year that should lead to some very entertaining playoff games but um that's really going to do it for today's show we're down to the end um maybe we'll leave it we, we didn't really push down on we, we decided who was getting there we didn't decide who was going to win so maybe we'll do that on next week's show predict our winners and it'll be a little bit clearer as there will be uh four teams already eliminated at that point so it'll be easier for us to to look like we're we're closer to being correct uh, at that stage Sean. but uh, with that i'm going to wrap it up it, it's been rotoviz overtime again on rotoviz radio brought to you by the ffpc and on tucket my name's colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland as always sean siegel is my co-host here on the show and of course check out all the great work that he'll have up on the site this coming week and of course all the other great writers and pieces that'll be up there as we get ready for the 2020 season you'll see a lot of uh, college football uh, write-ups going up there at the moment to get yourself ready for the draft and gain that edge so until we're back next week with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on your favorite podcast app and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount to the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.